Welcome back. Thank you for joining us once again. And thank you to the Crosswalk members who sent in those videos. Uh, they were truly, they were fun to watch. I can't wait till this uh, coronavirus uh, thing passes and we can all be back together again. Welcome back, Crosswalk family. S thank you so much for those videos you sent in. Uh, it was great to see you. Uh, can't wait till this passes and we can be back together in person. But uh, once again, thank you. It was just, it was a treat to see those and see what you're doing during this time of uh, quarantine. And I know that many of you sent in texts and emails as well that you didn't want to video yourselves, but you were still sharing some of the stuff that you were doing. I, one of the members said that uh, <clears throat> she, he, she and her son, um, decided to go jet skiing on one of the lakes in the area because there was nobody else out there. So they were uh, definitely socially distancing, but in a very fun way. So um, there are fun ways to enjoy this time and make the most of it, and I'm glad that you definitely are. Um, why don't we have a, a brief prayer, and we'll continue with our worship service here. Father in heaven, we pray that uh, you would continue to work with the technology. I know it's giving us a hard time here today. Help it to work so that uh, we can continue to encourage people and inspire people as they're in their home. Uh, it's, it, it, even though you've blessed us with nice homes, and most of us, I imagine, have plenty of food and supplies, but still, as we just are there hour after hour, the walls seem to kind of close in on us. So help the technology to work so that we can uh, bring some variety to people in their homes and bring something encouraging and to remind us about you, Jesus. And we pray it in your name. Amen. I'm getting a little echo here, here, Bill. I don't know if it's showing up online or not. If you'll join me this morning, our texts will be coming from the book of Psalm. And uh, this particular psalm was written by David. Most of them are, but not all of them. But this particular one is. It's Psalm 139. And uh, if you want to follow in your Bible or your smartphone, I'll be starting in verse 1. Psalms 139, verse 1. David wrote, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my laying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there was a word in my tongue, behold, you knew it. You've enclosed me before and behind and you laid your hand upon me. Such wonderful knowledge is too great for me. It is too high I can barely understand it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths of the earth, behold, you are there too. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remote part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, the, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will become night, even the darkness isn't night to you, and the night is as bright as day, for darkness and light are alike to you. For you formed me in my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb, and I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And wonderful are the works of your hands. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. 
Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Today, the message is about remembering that challenges come from lots of places. Sometimes challenges come because of the choices we make. Sometimes challenges come to us because of the choices people around us make or things that are happening around us out of our control. But as we go through challenges, it's important and it's helpful to remember that in the midst of these things, as we listen to God in prayer, it's important to be able to do what God wants us to do. That lowers our stress, gives us stability, helps us to be happy, and to be able to let Jesus take us through these tough moments. Just as an illustration, I, I want to tell you a story about a person named Chuck. Years ago, he was a little boy. When he was 10 years old, he went into his local grocery store with a single nickel. And uh, it was years ago, back when a nickel could buy something. And uh, Chuck decided to go into the store, and uh, he wanted to buy a whole bunch of candy. And back then, a nickel could buy more, and so he filled up both of his pockets with candy, with this nickel. And it was years ago when uh, many houses did not have uh, air conditioning, and his did not. And so as he had his pockets stuffed full of candy, and he was enjoying those sweet little treats, he just kept walking around in the store, eating some of his candies, trying to absorb as much of the air conditioning as he could before he went back out into another hot, humid summer day. And as he was making his laps, he noticed a knife in another part of the store. This knife really caught his attention. He really thought life would be better if he had that knife. But the knife, that little fancy knife cost him, would have cost him 49 cents. And he knew in his pocket he didn't have any more money. All he had was candy. And as he thought about it, he didn't have 49 cents at home either. That was, that was too much for his little bank account. So he decided to make a few more laps in that store, and he kept thinking, and he kept thinking, and kept eating candy, and he could never find a way to get more money. But he did think of a plan. He, his plan was if he grabbed that knife and just slip it into his pocket, then he could have that knife for free. And years ago, when Chuck was a little kid, when he was 10, they never had all the fancy cameras to catch people stealing. The only way you'd get caught is if somebody saw you. And unfortunately, nobody saw Chuck. And so Chuck, he put that knife in his pocket and he walked out of the store. And he liked that knife so much, he spent the rest of the entire day playing with that knife. He used it and he used it and he used it and he used it. And he stuck wood and he was cutting on wood and he put it in the dirt and he did this and he did that. And he played with it so much that by the end of the day, he broke his knife. And he went on with life. Fast forward 25 years later, Chuck was now married. He was in his 30s. He owned a window company that, that sold, installed, and repaired windows. And it was a particular, I think it was a Monday, and he had several big jobs. He had to go bid. And, uh, but his mind was kind of stuck. His mind was in a fog that day. He was having a hard time thinking through things. And so he wasn't able to get to those bids. 
Well, it got worse on Tuesday and it got even worse on Wednesday. And he just couldn't seem to think through some of these things. Well, uh, as he thought and thought about it, it didn't take much because he realized what was causing his mind to be stuck, to be in a fog, to be distracted. It was that knife he stole 25 years ago. Even as an adult, it was bothering him. And as he was thinking about that knife and thinking about that knife, he just couldn't seem to engage at home or at work. <coughs> and if you own your own business and you're not doing work, well, then you start losing business. Or then if, even though he was thinking unclearly and he was trying to get through the fog, if he tried to just do the bid anyway but do it wrong, and if he did do it wrong, he could lose money again because then he'd end up having to fix the mistake with his own money. See, he was frustrated, and he prayed and wondered what to do. And as he prayed, he thought that God wanted him to go back to that town, go to that store, and to make it right. Well, fortunately for him, it, it, he lived in the same state, so it wasn't that complicated. And so he told his wife, and so next week, it was Monday, and he went to that town, he went to that store, he pulled up into the parking lot, and he was going to talk to the owner, but it was closed permanently closed. It was out of business. And so he just had a little prayer there, and he's quite thankful because the human mind, the way it's wired, the human mind is, uh, functions well when we know what to do and we do it. And though it took Chuck 25 years, Chuck did at this point finally hear God and obey God. So his mind felt really good. Those endorphins were really pumping and because he heard God, he knew what was right and he did it and he felt really good about that. Not in a pride sense or being proud, but just happy to do the right thing and to know what it was. So he was really happy and he, after his little prayer, he, he, you know, during his prayer, he said, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm very sorry for stealing that knife. I shouldn't have done it. That was a wrong thing to do. Uh, I apologize. I'm glad that you forgive me. And he ended his prayer, started up his vehicle, headed down the, the, down the street. And within a couple of blocks, his head was hurting worse than it was before. Uh, almost like a, a migraine in a sense. His head was hurting so much that uh, he didn't think he could even drive back home again. It was that bad. And so he decided to get a, a, a hotel for the night. And he called his wife and, and talked to her about it. And, and after a good night's sleep, he woke up again. His head was still hurting, and he was checked out of the hotel, and he's driving around, and he was praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? The, the, the grocery store's closed. I don't know what else to do. And as he was praying, his, almost like I'm getting a little bit now, but much, much worse, he started getting cotton mouth, and it was so bad, it was, he was having a hard time breathing. And so he decided he'd pull over to the closest convenience store he could find. And there was one just down the street. And he pulled in and walked into the store, went into the cooler, opened up the cooler, grabbed something cold to drink. And he was standing in line. There were several people in front of him. <coughs> and as he was standing in line, um, he eventually looked up behind the counter. And who does he see in this convenience store but Mr. Logan, the person that used to own that other grocery store down the road that he'd stole from 25 years ago. And it was a unique dynamic because he's, he's in line, there's several people in front of him, and he can see that Mr. Logan is arguing with some teenager. And, uh, but then they'd stop for a little bit and help the customer and then argue and help a customer and argue and help a customer. Well, this went on for several minutes and finally it got to be his turn. And he said, uh, Mr. Logan, he said, I, I doubt that you remember me. My name is Chuck. He said, when I was a little kid, I used to shop at your store you used to own just down the street. And uh, he said, that was about 25 years ago. 
and he says, uh, I came into your store all those years ago and I stole a 49-cent knife. And he said, I just feel terrible about it. He says, I'm a Christian. And he said, uh, God has put it upon my mind and my heart to come find you all these years later and tell you I'm sorry and that it was a wrong thing to do and I apologize and that God wants me to pay you back the 49 cents with interest because that was a terrible thing to do and I hope that you'll forgive me. And as he's in line sharing this story, the people behind him in line are starting to cry now. Chuck is now crying. Uh, Mr. Logan is starting to cry and so is this, this young woman there next to Mr. Logan. And as Mr. Logan dries his eyes, he starts to speak through his tears, and he says, of course, I forgive you. He says, but you being here today, he says, it's really helped me. And he says, I was having a really difficult discussion here with my daughter. And he said, you've helped us in a way. He said, I can't share because it is too private, too personal. But he said, we're going through a really difficult thing right now. And he says, you've really helped me in a really profound way. He says, it's too personal. I can't share all the details, but... This will stick with us for the rest of our lives. And thank you so much for coming in here and, and, and sharing and doing what you did. That really, really helped us. Years ago, King David wrote Psalms 139. He says, Lord, you have searched me and you know my heart. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. You're intimately acquainted with all of my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, you know what I'm going to say. You've enclosed me from behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I can barely attain it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of the earth, behold, you're even there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remote parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. The sermon today is about reminding people that challenges truly are everywhere. Sometimes, like Chuck, the challenges are in our life because of the bad choices we make. Sometimes people around us make bad choices and make us suffer. And sometimes, like what we're going through now with the coronavirus, there's just things that make life more difficult. And certainly in America and around the world, things are difficult because of the coronavirus. Around 600,000 people in the world have the coronavirus. Almost 30,000 people around the world have died. In America, now over 100,000 people and counting are suffering from it. And over 1,500 people have died from it just in America. It's growing all the time. Schools are closing. Businesses are closing. Economies are being fractured. Wall Street is very fragile. And every day it seems to be getting worse. People are finding and trying to find more ways to avoid it as everybody is watching anxiously to see what continues to happen every day. And I have no desire to overestimate the coronavirus and I have zero desire to underestimate the coronavirus. 
but my desire is to remind everybody that even before this virus, this earth was filled with all kinds of challenges. And when this, this virus does pass, and it will pass, unfortunately, we will still have challenges. You know of many of the challenges. I'll, I'll, I'll make mention of just a few of them here. <coughs> One of the challenges that we have in America, in America, did you realize last year in 2019 that almost 70,000 people in America died from a drug overdose? And yet states are racing to legalize drugs. Another challenge, last year in 2019, over a million abortions were done in the Christian United States last year alone. And now some might be thinking, well, that could be you know, unusually high last year, but if you look for the last 45, 46, 47, 48, 49 years, basically for the last five decades, Christian America has averaged over a million abortions every year. And this is certainly no, no condemnation to Christians because the Bible's really clear. Um, Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it's certainly not a condemnation to atheists either because uh, especially, um, well, condemnation doesn't help anybody, but uh, as unusual as this may sound, the majority of abortions being done in America are done by people who they themselves profess to be Christian. So it's a bigger issue with people who profess to be Christians than those who do not. And if you look at abortion worldwide, there's approximately 50 million abortions that were done last year. 50 million. And if you break that down into how many that is every day, that's approximately 137,000 babies that are killed every day. When we think of the coronavirus, by the end of today, there will probably be 30,000 people die after, <laughs> since the day it began to today, there will be approximately 30,000 people die from the coronavirus after a few months of this. With abortions, over 100,000 plus 37,000 people die every single day from abortion. That's an epidemic. 2,200 hours are wasted every year from people watching television. Did you realize that in America, the average person, I know that some people watch more and some watch less, but the average person in America watches 2,200 hours of television a year. That breaks down into about six hours every day. Where another way of looking at it is if you watch, 24 hour, if you watch television for 24 hours straight, 24 hours straight for three months in a row, that's how much the average American watches television. Or did you realize last year that the uh, alcohol companies spent approximately $2 billion trying to convince America, trying to confuse America, that if you really want to live the high life, it's not Jesus, it's not having healthy relationships. If you really want to live the high life, the way to do that in America is to buy and consume alcohol. And unfortunately, that's working. 
not considering wine and hard alcohol and all the other versions, just beer alone, just beer alone, uh, Americans bought $119 billion worth of beer just last year. And last year, Americans spent $15 billion in gambling. $15 billion just last year in gambling. <laughs> and according to health statistics, 36% of Americans are obese and approximately 35% of Americans are overweight. The next statistic is a little challenging to come by because it's hidden. It's happening in the shadows. But professionals say that somewhere between 40,000 and 200,000 people, just in America, between 40,000 and 200,000 people have been captured and are being forced to be sex slaves and to be in the sex trafficking industry. And unfortunately, uh, the statistics say that Texas ranks second highest in all of America. And I just say Texas because that's where our church is located, and that's unfortunate. Last statistic is that, did you realize in America that we use more antidepressant drugs than the rest of the entire world combined? There's approximately 7.5 billion people in the world and in America, there's somewhere between 300,000 and, I mean, 300 million and 350 million people. And we're using more antidepressant drugs than 7.2 billion of all the other people on the earth. Now, we should be very thankful for good doctors and good medicine. When we need to get our teeth worked on, we need medicine. If you're going to get your leg amputated, you need medicine. There are lots of things in this world. If, if you're in the hospital and we need medicine, if we need it, I'm glad it's there and praise God for it. But the, but the proportion of 300 million Americans using more antidepressant drugs than the rest of the 7.2 billion people on the earth, that seems out of proportion especially when many people in this country consider themselves and this country to be Christian. Why are we so depressed? It seems alarming and it seems out of balance. The negative effects of this virus, I'm sure, has people feeling like it has your life trapped. And I hate that this is happening. But we can all admit when we're thinking clearly that challenges have been here before we ever heard of the coronavirus. And challenges after this pass will continue. Sometimes it's things that we're doing to ourselves, and sometimes it's things or other people around us that are causing it. Even mentioning some of these statistics probably might make some people feel uncomfortable. If I wrestled with some of these things myself, you'd be frustrated and say that I was a hypocrite. And if I didn't wrestle with some of these things, then some people would say, well, you know, I'm being judgmental, and I don't know what it's like to walk in your shoes. Well, what I can say is, as I'm sitting here in our church today, Saturday morning, March 28, 2020, there's not a soul sitting in the seats, and I have no idea who the Holy Spirit has inspired to watch this YouTube link. So it's certainly not personal, because I don't know what, who's watching, and I don't know what you're wrestling with, whether it's something I mentioned or it's something else. I don't know. But what I do know is, 
is that the Bible is really clear that life is filled with challenges, lots of them. They have been and they will continue until Jesus comes, unfortunately. And the Bible also is very clear, and Jesus is too, that as we get closer to the real end of the world, challenges will only increase and get worse. But the Bible is also very clear that it really helps if we know what God wants us to do, if we pray to God, if we listen to God, and we do what God wants us to do. Psalms 139, verse 17 says, How precious are your thoughts to me, God. How precious are your thoughts to me. Life truly is filled with many complex variables, but it helps. It really does help to know what does God want. Even though life is filled with complex variables, it's challenging beyond our, our, our ability to handle it all. But one thing that's consistent, one thing that's dependable, one thing that's sure, one thing that doesn't change is the Bible spells out for us what God knows is best for human beings. God wants to communicate to us. As we're reading here in this chapter, and you can read in other places too, before our little feet were even formed, God knows what's best. He knows where we should be stepping, where we should be going. He knows how to help us so we don't trip over our own feet. He knows how to help us so we don't step on other people's feet. And those rare times when we do hurt ourselves and other people do hurt us, He knows how to heal us and to help us and encourage us. But it helps if we spend time reading the Bible and praying to God to see what God wants for us. And then when we hear God communicating to us, it helps to do what God wants us to do. Does God want us taking drugs? Does God want us killing our babies? Does God want us gambling or getting drunk? Does God want us to hurt our bodies? Does God really want us to waste 25% of our life watching people on television pretend to have a life while we miss the real life? These things don't have to be a mystery. They don't have to be a surprise. As we read our Bible and as we pray, God has answers for these things and many, many other challenges that are plaguing us. And I hope and I pray that you slow down enough that you'll be listening to God, that you can hear God, what God wants to say, and that you'll be doing what God wants. Because in this complexity of life, <clears throat> And we know this. This is reality. This coronavirus has kind of put it on everybody's front page. But we know life is already full of challenges before coronavirus appeared. And, and, and coronavirus is the challenge. It's getting worse. But when this passes, we'll still have other challenges. Some of those challenges, like Chuck, unfortunately, we bring upon ourselves. And some challenges other people bring upon us. And sometimes it's just life, as the book of Romans chapter 8 says, under this weight of sin, even, even nature is falling apart, and that's what we're seeing with the coronavirus. Things are just falling apart in this world slowly by slowly. But one thing is sure, one thing is true. As we read our Bible, as we pray, God wants to continue to make His, known, His will known to us so we know what He wants, what, so we know what's best for us, so that we can do it. 
As we close in prayer, my hope and my prayer is that you too will be praying, to be asking that God will be making known to your mind like he did Chuck's and like he's done to you before because God is a really good communicator. My prayer is that we'll be praying that God will reveal to each of us, including myself, that God will be making known to us areas where we're hurting ourselves and hurting other people and that God will give us the courage and the willingness to stop those things. You know, we're making better choices. Before we pray, Psalms 139, verse 22, or rather 23 and 24, King David wrote, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any painful or hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So please pray with me now. Father in heaven, we ask that you would continue to do what you do best. We ask and we need you to continue to be our God and our leader. Continue to clear up the fog in our minds. Help us to hear you better. And as we hear you, help us to have the desire and courage to obey you so that we stop hurting ourselves and we stop hurting the people around us, especially, it's always good advice, but especially during this time when we're quarantined in our homes and we can't get out very much and the walls seem to close in and just humanly speaking, we have less patience and less tolerance. Continue to help us to treat each other properly. Help us to have healing from how we've hurt ourselves and other people have hurt us. Help other people to heal from the areas we've hurt them and continue to just guide and lead our vulnerable, fragile feet during this time of life. We ask that you would sincerely please come back quick and rescue us from this very challenging place. And we pray in Christ's name, amen. Stay tuned again next week and we hope to have you here with us once again. God bless.